You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Great to be with you this morning. How's everybody doing? Okay, now are you lying to me? Some of you guys might not be doing so great. Hey, listen, um, this last week at my house, it was kind of a little stressful. A lot of times during the Christmas season, you think everything should just be ribbons and bows, smiles and cheers, and everybody should be in a great mood. But the reality is, is honestly, listen, holiday season, there's more stress, more struggle with debt, more struggle with strife and relationships, and it can be incredibly stressful. Amen? Okay, so here's the deal. This uh, last week at my household, it was a couple sleepless nights, and my my daughter um, said, Daddy, please tuck me in. So I said, sure, I'll tuck you in. And then um, I, I don't think I was thinking clearly, and I was just a little tired. She said, tell me a story. And I said, Maya, usually I read you a story. And I wanted to read you about the Christmas story. And she said, no, today. No, no, Daddy, not today. I want you to tell me a story. And I'm like, oh, man. Got to come up with my own story and be real creative. So she, she says, tell me not just any story, Dad. Tell me a scary story. So I'm like, bad move. I'm like, all right. I'll give you a scary story. She's seven years old. And uh, so I start telling her a story. Long story short, I get into it, and she's clutched onto the side of my body, and I thought it was like nervous, fun, excitement, like she liked a scary story. And then I looked over at her, and I gave her the punchline, and she screamed, ah! And I looked over at her, and she's crying, and she's like, Daddy, that's too scary! (laughs) And I'm like, okay, okay, don't tell your mom. Don't tell your mom. (laughs) And then she's freaked out, and then I'm like trying to backtrack. It was just a joke. I was just, you told me to tell you a story, and I wasn't thinking clearly. I'm blaming it on just the stress and the, just a lot of the things going on. It was, it was a bad dad moment, okay? I'm eating my cereal the next morning, and my wife's like, bad move. Um, that night, she said, Dad, will you sleep, with, sleep in my room with me? And we have a bunk bed, and she said, sleep on the top. So I terrified her, so I felt like I was responsible. So I said, sure, tonight I will. So I sleep on the top bunk, and I'm exhausted, like I didn't sleep good the night before, you know? And so I'm on the top bunk, and I'm really tired, and there's a fan in the room. And um, so I flipped on the fan before I went to bed, and I thought to myself, when I wake up, I better be careful, because there's a fan, and it's kind of low. And so, unfortunately, my dog Lulu, she sleeps in the, in the, in the room with Maya so she can be Um, not scared. So that ought to have been an indication and a sign that you don't tell scary stories if you have a seven-year-old daughter that has to sleep with a dog in her room to make her feel safe. So Lulu wakes up really early in the morning and she shakes and does her thing and the collar goes off and it's like an alarm clock. So I I woke up out of bed real quick and I sat up and boom. And the fan hit me straight in the forehead. So that's what my little noggin is. I got bumped on my head, and I fell back down, and I'm like, Lord, no, this was not good. I felt like the Lord was spanctifying me <laughs> for telling, telling my daughter a scary story. Um, the reality is, is Christmas season is upon us, and we can get stressed out, overwhelmed with a lot of things, and then you're not thinking clearly. And if we're not careful, we can miss the joy and the celebration of Christmas. It's all about Jesus. And so when we're looking at Isaiah this morning, um, we're looking at the storyline of this king. And so I titled the message, The King's Birth and the Four Blessings that we really can't live without this Christmas season. 
and to kind of get us uh, in a celebratory um, spirit and just say thank you, Jesus, for changing people's lives, I want to sh- just take a moment and just as a church and just say, man, thank you for motivating and encouraging people in our church, Lord, to be generous and to care. So um, the out of the box uh, video, um, we've got this. I want to show you. Um, we're starting our delivery day um, Part of the joy of the Christmas season for us at North Valley is that we deliver food boxes to food insecure families throughout the Deer Valley Unified School District. We have a number of schools that we partner with and we bring that food into those families. The schools are partnered with us. We deliver them. And so this week, maybe you would like to be a part of helping us um, to show the love of Jesus. Um, We're gonna deliver these boxes into the schools and we need some hands on deck to be able to go and make those deliveries. And so my encouragement would be is if you want to help us go deliver some food this week, you can just check my decision today. I'm willing to help where needed and then turn that in after the service. And so first of all, I just want to say thank you. We, we exceeded our goals. We're going to feed hundreds of people in the Deer Valley Unified School District. So can we celebrate what God's doing through North Valley? Thank you for your generosity. Um, Additionally, you know, um, one of the things that we were asking you, I was asking you to pray about is this last week, we had a number of high school kids went to camp. I want to show you the video. Check this out. I close my eyes and colors fly. There's no hiding from your grace. I can't deny your heart for mine. And it's unrelenting of deception caught up in my own hesitation until you love took over me so I with our North Valley leaders and some of the students too. It's really fun and you get to hang out with a lot of new people. It's a fun experience to meet new people and it's a great experience to get closer to God and, and reflect on all your life. We celebrate what God's doing through our church. Hey, we've had a number of students profess their faith in Jesus Christ through baptism, even already this morning. We're going to do that later on this morning. But, um, you know, I just want to say thank you um, for giving and serving. You're making a difference in the lives of people because you're investing into the kingdom, and Jesus Christ is our king. So thank you for doing that. Our hope offering we take every year is, a, is an opportunity for us to be able to invest into um, ministry, missions, helping scholarship students to go to camp, 
Um, we've had more students than ever over this last 12 months who participate in camp, made a greater impact in the kingdom than we've ever done. And so I'm just thankful for you guys. And I want to encourage you in the hope offering, be mindful of that. Um, we're encouraging everybody to consider above and beyond giving. And then on Christmas and our Christmas services, bring your hope offering ready. And that helps fuel local and global missions and outreach and be able to provide scholarships for students to go to camp. So can we celebrate one more time what God's doing at North Valley? Okay, well, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Go ahead and open up your Bible. We're, we're going to be in Isaiah this morning. Um, we looked at it last week, and I talked to you about the, um, I asked the question, who is your Jesus? And, uh, you know, um, then we talked about the importance of kind of seeing Jesus as, as, as a king. And this morning, I think we're going to look at the passage and see, again, the power and the, and the purpose behind Jesus Christ as king even from the perspective of Isaiah, a prophet 700 years before the time of Christ, uh, working within the southern kingdom of Israel, um, during a time where there's political corruption, religious corruption, King Ahaz is in power. Isaiah had a ministry of some 60 years, worked with godly people, great people, ungodly people, ungrateful people. He worked with all sorts of folks. And he served as kind of a political, religious advisor um, in, to whoever came into power. Ahaz is a bad dude. He's not a good man. Uh, later, Hezekiah will take reign. And many people look at the passage in Isaiah and think, well, this is about Hezekiah. It's not about Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, no, that's absolutely wrong. This, this passage in scripture is affirmed by others in the New Testament as well. This is our King Jesus. This is a prophecy about this child being born. Let's look at it together. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. This morning, we're going to look at the king's birth and four blessings that he brings, and we just can't live without these blessings. Isaiah says, he prophesies about this Messiah, this king child. He says, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The first thing I want you to see about the king's birth is that he was to be born a child. This is a, 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 what we're going to see is a, he's a hundred percent God, yet he's a hundred percent man. In Luke's gospel, chapter two, verses eleven through twelve, we see that there's this angelic announcement. There's a supernatural announcement about Jesus Christ being born. The angels appear to the shepherds in the field. We know the Christmas story, and they declare, "Hey, today in the city of David, a child is born. He is the Lord. He is the King. He's the one that we've been waiting for." The angels are in unison with the high king of heaven. They know exactly what's going on. The Isaiah tells us this child is to be born. In Mark chapter 1, we read and we find out that when Jesus grew to be a man, the Bible says is that God himself, the Father, broke through the clouds and spoke audibly in when Jesus was publicly identifying with John the Baptist's baptism. Jesus walks into the Jordan River and the clouds clear and God's voice rains down from heaven and says, this is my son. There's a, all sorts of extraordinary supernatural occurrences to affirm this child is just not any ordinary child. This is God's son. He is 100% God. He's 100% man. 
The Bible continues to tell us, and the Apostle Paul writes in the church of Philippi, I've got all these passages, by the way, in your message notes. I want to encourage you to go home, open your Bibles, read them. Realize the power and the magnitude of Christmas is about Jesus Christ, God coming to us in the flesh, taking upon himself a human uh, uh, body in order for us to understand, identify that he would serve as a substitute for us in our place. We read that he was born in the likeness of men, according to uh, the Apostle Paul in the Philippians chapter 2, 5, and 8. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to talk about his sinless life, that he was without sin. So Jesus is, is 100% God, he's 100% man, he's born without sin, and it was a virgin birth. And it's interesting, the prophet Isaiah uh, prophesies that as well. In Isaiah chapter 7, it talks about the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And you think, well, does that literally mean Jesus, was that really the Messiah that, that Isaiah was talking about? Well, the rest of the scriptures seem to believe so. In Luke's gospel, he's a physician in the first century. He records those exact phrases and he's commissioned um, within the Roman government to, ca to capture the storyline of this Jesus, this child. And he documents and he uh, takes that passage in Isaiah and reaffirms it and talks about how he was it recorded that the angel told Mary that she was found to be favor and to name him Jesus. And in Matthew's gospel, it says all this took place to fulfill that. So you have the Old Testament, the beginning of your Bible, talking about this child being born. You have the New Testament, 700 plus years later, saying, yes, exactly, Isaiah was right. This child to be born is, is God. He is man, born without sin and from the Virgin Mary. It was a supernatural occurrence. You know, um, they didn't have ultrasounds. So my wife and I, when um, my kids were born, Sam and Riley, they're 13 years old. And I remember we were in the, in the room there and the lady had the, this little device and my wife had a nice size belly, I'll say that. And twins, I mean, 12 plus pounds of baby there, you know. And we're sitting there and we didn't know that they were having twins at the time. We just thought we were having a baby. So the nurse comes up and she starts doing the ultrasound and uh, I see two heads and I'm like, I hope that's not a two-headed baby. <laughs> and then my wife doesn't look at the screen yet and then the, the nurse says, hey, I'll be the first to tell you you're having twins. And you would have thought Niagara Falls broke loose with my wife. She just started crying. Streams were tearing down her face, streaming down her face. And I said to the nurse, can you, can you please stop? This is really scaring my wife. And it was really scaring me. And I just said, can we stop for a moment? Could we have a second opinion about this before we talk any more about this? And she looked at me and she put down the thing and she goes, I am the second opinion. <laughs> it was like a Schwarzenegger moment. You know, like she said this little punchline and I was like, like echoed through my body, like my bones and my body was shaking. And I thought, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? That's how Mary felt. She says, Lord, I'll do as you say. I'll be your servant. The magnitude and the mystery of Christmas is this child being born, but not just some ordinary child. God himself prophesied by the prophet Isaiah 700 plus years before. New Testament writers say, yes, Isaiah was right. This is the king that the world had awaited. 
The second thing that we're going to see this morning when we come to the text in Isaiah is that he will rule over God's people. He's a ruler. He reigns. When Isaiah writes in the passage and it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, it's this figurative language. He's referring to a king. A king would have upon his shoulders this robe that would have been dipped into a dye, which would have taken thousands of seashells from the sea to get the ink to be able to have the dye. And it was this purple, magnificent robe signifying royalty, kingship. And what Isaiah is writing about is this, this king will have the government upon his shoulders. He's a king. He's not just some kid. Isaiah, Isaiah knew that. In Matthew chapter 2, we read and we find out when the wise men, these are astrologers in the New Testament, 700 plus years later, they had read the, the prophet from the prophet Isaiah and from Micah, and, and they'd read some of these ancient prophecies, these predictions about the Messiah and this new king. The first thing they do when they walk into King Herod's palace is they say, hey, where is the king of the Jews? That, that's, that's at the time of the birth of Jesus Christ. These are people, these are not churchgoers, these are not religious people, these are people that are just trying to understand astrology, some of the prophecies, the predictions, and they are converted through this process to worship Jesus. And they ask, where's the king? Jesus is not some ordinary child. He is a high king of heaven who will rule over God's people. Later in the life of Jesus, Pilate asked when um, he was arrested, Pilate says, are you king of the Jews? Jesus says, you have said so. He affirms it. To be called king in that time and day would have been blasphemy uh, for the Jewish people. It would have been high treason for Rome. And it's what gets Jesus crucified. He's king. So much so that um, Pilate had written on the cross of Jesus, this is Jesus, Nazareth, King, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And to make it crystal clear, Pilate wrote it in three different languages on that cross. This child is no ordinary child. Not according to scripture, not according to history. This is a king who will rule over God's people. The Apostle Paul says to his protege, Timothy, he calls Jesus the king of all ages. He says, Timothy, his protege, this is not just any king. He's king of all ages, not just your age, not just your generation. This isn't some myth or fable or fairy tale. He's the king of all ages. Micah, the prophet, says that he'll be born in Bethlehem and he'll be a ruler in Israel. Zechariah, the prophet, said that he'd be king over all of the earth. When it comes to the king's birth, we need to realize that this is a one who rules and who reigns. And when we prepare our hearts for Christmas, we're preparing room for the high king of heaven, and that is Jesus. And so the question comes is, what are the blessings that we could have this Christmas season? There's four blessings, I think, that comes out of the descriptive names of who he is. Let's look. The first, the prophet Isaiah calls him a wonderful counselor. Is he's not just a regular counselor that you can go to like an earthly counselor. Some of you, you go and you get counseling and that's a good thing. You get help and the Bible talks about it. It's so important to get counsel from people, especially godly people. 
but he's not a counselor in which you can sit in his office and hear and go, well, that's some good advice. Or, I don't like what you said about that, so I'm going to another counselor. No, he offers a wisdom that is not from this world. He's the wonderful counselor. Jesus is not an advice giver. Listen, he's a truth teller. He gives a counsel that may not always fit in fashion with what we like, but this is a king who is a truth teller, not just an advice giver. He offers wisdom. The apostle Paul saw it. He wrote in Colossians that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are rooted in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 3, all the treasures of wisdom. If wisdom was in a treasure chest, Jesus would hold that treasure chest. It is his All wisdom comes through him. So how do we grow through the Christmas season? Man, we need wisdom. We need wisdom how to navigate, how to work through relational challenges, how to work through expectations maybe that might not be filled. You know, I think part of the challenge with Christmas is is that we, we set high hopes for high expectations. And when they don't happen, then we say, Lord, it didn't happen. But we had to realize that there's, we have a wonderful counselor to give us wisdom to navigate through all of life's seasons and situations. James 1.5, the apostle James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives what? Generously. This Christmas season, when we're facing some challenges, some questions that we may have, we can come to the wonderful counselor. And it could save you thousands of hours of counseling that you're paying for. Sometimes just one word will give you enough to make it through a difficult season. I can think back through seasons in my life where I just spent a little extra time praying and seeking the Lord, and He's impressed upon my heart a message or an encouraging word, and I've walked out of that time with the Lord feeling like, man, I got great counsel today, and I look to the Scriptures, and I just so happen to turn to the passages of Scripture that affirm that Spirit's guiding Listen, friends, we have a wonderful counselor. His name is Jesus. He's the best counselor. Whatever you're going through this Christmas season, remember, he's the high king of heaven and he is a wonderful counselor. John 14, 6, Jesus said he's the way and the truth. Just let me caution you about this counselor, this wonderful counselor. He's not there to give you advice. He's there to tell you the truth. And if you don't like his truth, that's on you. But I am telling you something. Isaiah wanted you to hear this. He's wonderful. He just might not tell you what you like to hear. But when we submit to an almighty king, there's a greater sense of peace in the kingdom. And so this morning we see he's not just called the wonderful counselor that offers us wisdom. He's called the mighty God. There's no way this could have been Hezekiah or some other earthly king. This is a, 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 This is Jesus Christ, the high king of heaven. He's a mighty God. And so as a result, we can find power, extraordinary power. Hebrews tells us that he is the radiance. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe. Jesus Christ does. You think about and you look at the, the sun and the moon and the stars and what the Bible teaches is that Jesus is the one who holds all that into balance. And we always wonder just one degree of the turn of the sun the wrong way or one tilt of the axis of earth and everything would be set off in, into chaos. What the Bible claims is the king, he holds it all into balance. 
That's our key. In, in Colossians, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. It all belongs to him. Everything is for him. He's our king. And he is before all things. In him all things hold together. Scripture goes on to tell us, the apostle writes to the church in Rome and says, hey, did you know that the very exact power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you? Our mighty God offers us power. Offers us a power that is unlike any kind of human power we could have. It's a power that is a divine power that is God's power. Our mighty God gives us power this Christmas season. A power to get through whatever you're going through. A power to overcome the challenges or circumstances you may face. A power to walk through in the presence and in the midst of chaos and go, somehow I'm finding a calm in this chaos. He doesn't offer us just power. He offers us a relationship. He's called the everlasting father. Some people look at that and think, well, wait, how could Jesus Christ be a father? Because doesn't that confuse the Trinity? The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons in the Trinity, one God, all fully being God. Some commentators think that Isaiah didn't understand this. Um, let me give a biblical response and a cultural response to argue that Jesus Christ is the everlasting Father. It's indicating a relationship. There's a, there was an idiom of the day of, of everlasting father meant to be the Messiah's relationship to time. He's everlasting and his relationship is this family-like relationship over the nation of Israel and all those who would believe in him that he'd take care of his kids. He's everlasting. The apostle Paul called him the king of the ages. Culturally speaking, it would have been an understanding for the religious community to understand it was the Messiah's relationship to time. There's an endless love. Like my daughter sometimes will say, or my kids will say is, you know, um, you know, you maybe you've heard it said before in your household where they're like, you know, this is just hard being in the family, blah, 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 blah. And then the parent responds and just says, hey, look, I'm going to love you forever. I'm your dad, whether you like it or not. And I'm going to be there for you forever. That's what we have in Christmas. We have the promise of a king who's everlasting. I don't know your family situation, but I do know what God offers is he offers a relationship forever. Every day when you wake up, he's there. Every night when you go to bed, he's there. He's there when you get up and you get in the car, he's there. When you get to work, and you face a challenge, and your emails are overloaded, and you're feeling there is not enough time in the day to finish what I've got to do. And you know what the Lord says? I'm offering you a relationship right in the middle of it. I'll help you. Could you rely on my power? Because I'm a mighty God, he says. Do you need counsel? I'm a wonderful counselor. I offer you wisdom. Don't miss the joy. Don't miss the power. Don't miss the wisdom in Christmas. It's not in a gift under the tree. It's in the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. 
So he says that he is an everlasting father, and biblical response is this, is, I mean, let us remember John's gospel when he recorded, and Jesus said to his disciples when the people were questioning who he was, was he really divine, and they're asking, and Jesus says to them, hey, who's ever seen me has seen the Father. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. This everlasting Father is an indication of his everlasting love, his relationship, and he will love us like a good father would love a family. And that's his promise and his commitment. The fourth thing Isaiah tells us is that he's to be called this Prince of Peace. There's a blessing in that. It's an offer of salvation. In, in Romans 5.1, we read that we can have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can experience an eternal peace, the presence of peace through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is a peacemaker. He's not a peacetaker. He wants to give peace, and he gives it through himself. He offers peace. He's like the bridge between God and humanity. He creates a divine access for peace. Isaiah writes about this prince of peace, this royal relationship that he offers, and it's an it's a invitation for salvation that people could be a part of the kingdom and be under the rule and the reign of a great high king of heaven. In John's gospel, he says that he's, he, he offers a peace that's not of this world. And the, the apostle Paul writes to the church in Philippi, and he says that the peace of God, it surpasses all understanding. Jesus says later in John that the peace he le- leaves with us is peace not as the world gives. Let me just clarify something for a moment. You and I tend to clar- uh, characterize peace as the absence of any conflict. You say, I mean, you get away. I mean, I I do it all the time. I I literally take retreats away from the chaotic schedule that I live and run and work within, and I get away. On Black Friday, while all y'all are shopping, I'm as far away from the city as possible. And I find peace in that. But you know what my Lord tells me? Hey, Ryan, I'm glad you're out here. But you can find peace in the middle of the chaos, right in the middle of the grid, right in the middle of the grind. Because I give you a peace that the world doesn't give. The peace that the Lord offers is a peace that is divine. And it's peace right in the midst of your chaos, not in the absence of your chaos. So when your world falls apart, you have a king who offers us peace. So I want to encourage you this Christmas season when you think about the king, Jesus, Remember his birth. Remember how extraordinary that is. It's a historical event. It's a controversial event. By the Roman government themselves, they had to see that that king of Jesus, the Jews, the king of the Jews, Jesus of Nazareth, had to be inscribed on that cross. He's a king. But he offers us salvation. And when we receive Jesus Christ as king, what that enables us to do, it's the invitation into his kingdom. And Jesus prayed it like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. When you and I share the love of Christ, when we show the love of Christ, we're showing off the kingdom to people around us. You and I are given an opportunity in Christmas where we can have a peace and we remember Jesus offers us that peace and it's not as the world gifts. It's not an absence of the conflict. It's, it's in the, in the, right in the presence of conflict. There's a peace that he offers. I want to encourage you as you think about this Christmas season, you don't want to miss those services. We're offering six different services and we need a number of volunteers to be a part of that. One of the testimonies that we're sharing it's so cool. A guy in our church, I won't tell you his name, but we're, we're doing a video testimony in all six of our services. One of the most powerful testimonies I've heard in a very long time. A guy in our church um, came to faith in Christ in our church, baptized in our church, um, shares his story from drugs, alcohol, to attempt of suicide, and then God intervening right in the middle of it and saying, don't do it. And um, he walks away from that event and today, he's thriving in his faith, growing, serving in our church. Just a powerful story about how the peace of God in the midst of his challenges just encourage him to keep going. And so I want to encourage you, don't miss the opportunity. I want to encourage you to invite some friends. Maybe you've you got some of those little invitation cards. If, you've, if you're an outgoing person and you want to invite your whole office staff or whatever, we've we'll, got more invitations for you to be able to do that. I want to encourage you to invite friends and family. And it's a special time of the year. And we're going to have an awesome, awesome services uh, uh, throughout Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So we're going to do that together. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to um, close out our time. And maybe today uh, you came in today and you're just not sure if you, where you stand, is Jesus really your king? And uh, if you were to die today, would you know for certain that you're going to heaven and um, if the answer is no, my encouragement to you is, is place your faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, just to pray here in a moment. Just pray silently from your chair and uh, maybe experience that peace in a whole new way today. So let me pray for us and then we're going to continue on in our worship service and have communion and baptism and sing songs together. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you've called me be a part of your kingdom and to serve in your kingdom. It's a great honor. It's a great joy. I pray for my friends here today that they're not sure if maybe they're a part of the kingdom. And Lord, I pray for them right now that you just give them the faith and the courage to say, I want you to be king, Jesus. So if that's you, would you pray with me silently there from your chair? Just some simple prayer like this. Dear King Jesus, I acknowledged I've sinned. I've blown it in so many areas in my life. I believe you, Jesus, to forgive my sin. Give me a new start. I confess your name, the name of Jesus above every other name. You are the king of the ages. You are the king over my life. And today, I'm going to trust you in that. I'm placing my faith in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.